Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey guys, producer Matt here, just giving you a quick heads up that this week's episode, there's a little bit of an audio issue on the guest's mic. I tried my best to edit it, so it's not too obnoxious, but hopefully you guys are able to stick through it and we will get Matt DiStefano back on a future episode when we're able to hang out with him face to face and get some really good top notch audio for you guys. Thanks for listening. This week, we get a little controversial talking about Rick Springfield. On one hand, he's had 17 top 40 hits in his career. But on the other hand, if you asked a person on the street to name another song than Jesse's Girl, you'd get a blank stare. The song was an absolute phenomenon, and it was a song based on a real situation. In other words, Rick thought his buddy's girlfriend was hot. This week, I'm joined by Cassette's frontman, Matt DiStefano, to debate if Rick Springfield is really a one-hit wonder, but the point is probably moot. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed, and you can live off royalties forever. And it makes me wonder: is it just a blunder, or is it one? So we're doing Jesse's girl. Right, so Rick Springfield, Matt Kelly is ready. For yes, us, definitely. We can start. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Matt, I have a feeling. Okay. Here we go. Just, and, and I, I mean this in the the best way possible. Sure. Uh, when I listen to your band cassettes, I feel like you guys are Rick Springfield influenced. Is that true? I think at least for myself, that is one hundred and fifty percent true. Dude, yes. when you <laughs> if you listen to the first song on Wild Heart, it sounds like 
if Rick Springfield just was a little bit more punk. <laughs> yeah, that that one in particular, it's funny. We were uh, the beginning of the year when the record came out, we were a featured artist on one of the local rock stations. And one of the really old school guys called our drummer while they were playing one of our songs and was just raving to him about how much he loved our band, which was very nice. But also he called us the modern day Rick Springfield, which was like a huge compliment to me because I'm I, I love Rick Springfield and I'm I'm super excited that we're able to talk about him in this context because uh, I don't think he's a one-hit wonder at all. Right. I mean, I guess to the layman, he's a one-hit wonder, but I know, I know for a fact that Rick Springfield has like some diehard Rick Springfield fans out there, and I kind of understand why. His music is kind of like the definition of I, I, I guess I mean this in a good way, but like if someone didn't know what rock and roll music was <laughs> he said, this is rock and roll music and and then yes. it's just it's straightforward it's super catchy uh it's very 80s uh but yeah and rick i mean he's great i mean jesse's girl is a really great song um i'm kind of partial to love is all right tonight which actually my band punchline used to cover that song which is the weirdest cover i think we covered it because it was in wet hot american summer um yeah but you know, the well, dude the dude is just a hit maker, no doubt. Well, and that song, especially, that's like a super fun song to play. It's just all of the parts are really cool. The bridge is really cool. Um, just that main riff is is super fun. So, yeah, he's, uh, that, both, both of those songs are off of his, like, I always call it his first record because it's his first real record that anyone heard and everything before that was super different. Right. Working um, class dog, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's Spuds McKenzie on the cover of that. <laughs> it's actually, it's his dog. Oh. <laughs> I'm blanking on the dog's name. Um, he talks about the dog in his book. Um, oh, man. You are serious. I'm deep, man. You are, you came with the knowledge. Like, I don't I even, came with the knowledge. I don't even I have thought... to, <laughs> I don't even have to have Wikipedia open for this one. No, no. I'll try to try to hit as much as, you know, deep info as we can. I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I even like some of his newer music. I think that's one thing that's pretty interesting is he's kind of evolved, and I don't know that anyone has paid attention, but he's made some really cool music even over the past, like, 10 or 15 years. Yeah, I mean, it's because he's good. I mean, it's crazy. He's he's good. He's good-looking. He's like <laughs> – uh, and he writes pretty straightforward, good, catchy music. And uh, a couple things I just learned about him today, despite the fact, I guess I'm not as big of a Rick Springfield fan as you are, but I, I do consider myself a Rick Springfield fan. Yeah. But I didn't know he was Australian. I guess I never yes. listened to him talk. I only listened to his music. Uh, yeah. And, and his I'll, third record is called, his third like big record um, is called Living in Oz, referring to Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I didn't even, I didn't even know, but yeah. Uh, I also didn't know that at some point, at some point, well, I guess he wasn't married to, but I guess he was together with Linda Blair, who yeah, I think when <laughs> she was like underage, maybe oh, like no. it was a consensual, it was like a consensual thing, like I want to say she was like seventeen or something like that. Okay. Maybe she was nineteen. I don't know. Okay, let's. <laughs> <laughs> there's, Damn. there's no like, there's, there's no, there's no Me Too uh, happening with Rick Springfield. Okay. All right, that's good. Uh, because yeah. he, uh, I mean, I, I've always, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to deal with deal with that is. And um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Linda Blair, aka uh, Reagan from The Exorcist. Yeah. Um, we should talk about Jesse's Girl before we get 
deeper into it. So yeah, I guess Jesse's girl kind of set it off, right? Is that what got everything started? I mean, he was on some soap operas, I think. Yeah. First. Well, he he put out like I want to say he has maybe four albums even before Working Class Dog. Some that were released in Australia, some in the U.S., but a very different vibe. Not kind of like the power pop '80s vibe that he's more known for. Uh huh. Um, and I don't, I, I want to say, I could be wrong. I want to say Jesse's Girl was not the first single off of this record. Oh, what was it? Or, I, I, I think, yeah, you can Wikipedia, <laughs> but I think it's, so he does a cover of a song that was a Sammy Hagar song. Um, I do anything for you. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I do everything for you. I didn't even know that that was a Sammy Hagar song. Yeah. The Sammy Hagar song is definitely not as good, but I, I want to say that was the first single. Oh, that's cool. And th- th- I mean, he won a great. So, so Rick Springfield won a Grammy too. Deservedly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Um, but he was on, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to general hospital. Okay. That's what. Yes. And so I guess, uh, that's kind of, so he pulled a, uh, way before what's the guy from 90210 <laughs> who did that? Isn't there? Oh, a- Jamie, Jamie Walters. Jamie Walters. Right. Or- yeah. Uh, but he, he was the, uh, the predecessor for doing that. Right. Or, uh, or like a, a predecessor to childish Gambino. Oh, true. True. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go for a more modern reference. Yeah, for that's, not. that's very true. Are, are you a Gambino <laughs> fan? Oh, definitely. Yeah, dude. And I was a fan, I guess that's a really good example because I was, I was, and am such a big community fan. And yeah, I, yeah. And then the music, I, I guess he was doing the music even before community, but I didn't know about that beforehand. But then it was like, damn, this dude's like the most talented dude in the world. Yeah. He just does it all. He's insane. Uh but yeah, back to Rick Springfield. Um yes. do you have any I, I guess with some other people that we've done on here, it might be a little harder with Rick Springfield because like if it's a 90s artist, you can be like, well, what were you doing at the time? Well, <laughs> at the time that Jesse's Girl came out, I was I was one. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. I want to say I don't think I was born. Yeah. So you, I may have been absorbing his music just uh, one way or another, but I, I don't really have any memories attached to Jesse's Girl except maybe um, when I was a tiny baby. But yeah, uh, I'm looking at some more stuff about that. So Jesse's Girl was a number one hit. It's only number one. Okay, so that a song doesn't even necessarily have to be number one to be considered a hit. But this dude, sure. he went all the way, and then he got that best male rock vocal Grammy uh, that same year. So 1981 was a big year for Rick. In 1981, he would have been so he was born in 1949. Do some quick math. Yeah, he, he got like a late start too. Yeah, 32 years old. I like that. I like when people. I do too. <laughs> I like when people are like older and then. I don't know. I assume he paid his dues. If he was if he was thirty two at that point, I assume I like when people pay their dues, and I, I like it a lot more than some like sixteen year old getting famous. I mean, yeah. it should it should just be based on the songs and whatever. And I don't really hold that against young people. I just like it when people, you know, <laughs> have have the long projection. It kind of it gives me hope, man. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's there's uh, this band. I don't know if you're familiar with this band called Great Grandpa. They're like a pretty new-ish, like indie rock 
band. Um, but anyway, they have a new record that came out and they have this song called Bloom on it where they have a line that is, I forget what the setup is, but the uh, the finish on the line is, can I think about Tom Petty and how he wrote all his best songs when he was 39? Nice. And it's just like, a, it's, it's kind of like similar to that. It's like one of those things that's interesting about, um, you know, looking at people who had late success or had that kind of really long longevity in their career. Um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I mean, as as guys who play music and have played music for a long time, I think we both can appreciate when someone does it that way. And not, but that doesn't stop me from liking something that a young person's make. Like Billie Eilish, like I could still like that. Yeah. But 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 then you know, at the same time, like recently, I I listened to that new Carly Rae Jepsen album, and I'm like, oh, this is so good, so good. Then I found out that she's 34 years old and yeah you know, and i'm like it made me like it like even more <laughs> so i wonder if that has the uh the opposite effect on if you're like a 17 year old and you hear carly ray jepson and then find out how old she is if that's a turnoff i no, no way <laughs> i think that i i just think that that it's cool it, it's not going to have a negative effect on a younger person. They're not going to like something less because someone's been doing it for a long time. But for someone who has been doing it for a long time and knows what's involved, I see that it just get, gives me that little bit extra respect. I mean, the song, yeah. the song is the song. If it's a good song, it's a good song regardless. But, you know, as far as me, like being a champion of an artist or a band or really like, I don't know, feeling that extra connection to them that, that doesn't hurt doesn't hurt yeah. when someone's paid their dues you know no i um, dig it and i think rick springfield is a good example bringing it back around to someone that, that paid their dues i mean he he was in the pop group zoot yes <laughs> are, you, are you a big zoot fan i don't know that i've ever heard uh, yeah. a song of theirs no you didn't hear their debut single speak to the sky <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> i have seen that record places i think they've re-released that under his name like once he became notable for jesse's girl and things after that i think they re-released some of that early stuff just under his solo name uh, okay i mean you know go, going back to what you said about the fact that he's not in the grand scheme of things maybe he's a one-hit wonder and yeah i will note this and i'm sure that you would agree that despite the fact that the one hit wonder kind of sometimes has like a negative connotation I would love to have one hit like, Oh yeah. Dude, I'll how take awesome. it. Yeah. I would take it too. And I, 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 once in a while you'll see people like bitch and complain about the one hit, but I have more respect for like <laughs> back in the day we did a tour where Tommy two tone was on it. it was, oh it, yeah. It was with less and Jake. And right. so they, they would always bring like a, uh, yeah, throwback act on the tours or whatever, whoever was available. And I really, had to respect the fact that Tommy Two-Tone opened and closed with 8675309 and on top of that had a sequel to the song. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, well, that song is funny because during – so I, I have seen Rick Springfield a couple times over the past few years, as recently as this past summer. Um, nice. And he has a part of his set where he does a kind of medley of some of his – like minor hits, but but not anything he's going to be playing in a set. And during that, he he starts playing Jenny eight six seven five three zero nine. And as part of that, his like shtick with it, um, as he starts playing, he's like, a lot of people think that's my song. Definitely not. And then he moves on <laughs> to the next song. <laughs> right. And um, wait, wait, what? So he he plays 
Rick Springfield plays. Oh, eight, Rick six, Springfield seven, five, does. Okay. Yes, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> so, oh, I thought you were talking about you saw Tommy Two Tone. <laughs> oh no no no! Oh, so, yeah no. Nice. I would I would never. <laughs> hey, you know what's funny about that is that the the band Bowling for Soup, everybody thinks yeah. that everybody thinks that um, the Fountains of Wayne song is that. Oh yeah, and okay, so, I can see that. And so they covered it and they just play it in their set. Now, That's funny. Which is pretty funny. Anyway, uh, yeah, but Rick Springfield, despite the fact that Jesse's Girl is considered his one hit, this was what I was leading up to here. He actually had. 21 hot 100 hits yeah. 17 of them in the top 40 and five of them were top 10 hits so yeah. it is really kind of a stretch to call him a one-hit wonder because i would think that if punchline or cassettes had one song that was a top 10 hit that that would be considered a one-hit wonder and yeah. rick, rick springfield had five of them and yeah. 17 in the top 40 so I don't know, man. I, I guess it's a little bit of a stretch, but Jesse's Girl is the one song that, like, okay, my mom's going to know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the rest of the songs, I feel like, if you are someone who listens to a lot of music from the 80s, um, you might be familiar with some of those other songs that charted a little bit higher, but the kind of probably the general music listener isn't going. It's it's uh, They look at maybe Jesse's Girl the same way as you'd look at a band like the outfield and your love right or where that's like they did not have another hit but i feel like people look at those two songs the same way as like oh that's that's that one person's song right yeah they they probably lump all that yeah tommy 210 all that gets lumped yeah. right in there uh even though rick springfield seems to be i mean i don't know anything about the outfield i do know what i saw from tommy two-tone who just completely was like <laughs> okay this is my song and that's all i'm gonna do but rick springfield's pre pretty legit one thing that we like to do on here is look at what else was going on in the world of music at the time oh cool that the song was a hit and <laughs> what's really funny about right when the song was number one on the billboard charts one of the other biggest singles, and I don't know if you're going to know this song or not, you probably do, was the Greatest American Hero theme song. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, believe it or not, I'm right. walking on air. That's a, I think I, I know that more from Seinfeld as George's uh, oh, yeah, his, his <laughs> answering machine message yeah. probably than the actual song. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. George, pick up. I know you're screening for Allison. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the biggest singles of the entire year of 1981 were uh betty davis eyes by kim carnes oh yeah uh, tainted love soft cell and phil collins in the air tonight so 1981 was actually pretty cool <laughs> we actually also paid tribute to in the air tonight on our record too there's a, a very um in the air tonight drum fill nice very nice. so i guess we're, we're in indebted heavily to 1981 yeah man and i i hear it i hear it on that album and i love <laughs> it and i love it it's great you know I kind of feel Thank like, you. you know, when I was listening to, you know, uh, 
uh, our producer Matt sends us a playlist, which yes. you obviously didn't even need the playlist. I I knew most of the songs on the playlist, but I still was reviewing it a little bit. And I was thinking about that year 1981, and then I was thinking about cassettes and how you guys kind of reminded me of like a more punk Rick Springfield. But then I was also thinking about like our world. And if you took these Rick Springfield songs and went like little dirtier guitars, yeah, I, I, I kind of felt like you know you he was almost the line of like what the descendants were doing at that time like <laughs> there was there's a there's a world where they, those sounds kind of intersect <laughs> you know like it, it's very close to almost being punk rock <laughs> with yeah. this Rick Springfield, which i think is probably why we like it <laughs> yeah and it's it's just one of those things where it's like it, it falls right in line with any of the bands. So like like Punchline or our band or people who are doing kind of the their rock bands and their punk bands, but they're playing pop songs. It's kind of right in line with all of that. Um, right. Yeah. And when when producer Matt, uh, he reached out to me and was asking for, you know, song ideas for the playlist to put together for us to check out beforehand. And so I didn't I told him to include some that were from like 2005, 2007, right around then that are, you know, that that production style that was popular in that time and kind of still doing the, these, these power pop songs. And other than it being an older guy singing the songs, like if you switched out that vocal for a younger person, it's funny because it would sit right along next to, you know, the top of type of rock music that was popular. It's crazy. Right. And you know, what's cool is like when you have, when you, a, when you have a good song where you're not relying on the, cliche things of that genre of music yeah. like you know okay so if you think about like screamo music you can't <laughs> yeah. mo most of that music minus like the exceptions like i don't know like i thought the used is a really good band like you could you could take those songs and put them in another style and they'll still be good songs but most of most of what comes from there if you take it out of that type of music it's not going to be a good song but a really good song you could take and you could you could change the presentation and the style of it, and it's going to be good in every style of music. You could make it into a country song, and it's still going to be a good song. You know, you take it just on an acoustic guitar and play it, yeah. it's going to be good. Or you take it to a whole orchestra, and it's still going to be a good song. And uh, well, that's like you're 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 speaking to like what he has Rick Springfield has actually done lately. So his most recent album is an orchestral, nice like a rock album of his hits, which is pretty interesting that is um, awesome and then about two albums back he made this really kind of like pop country album which is super weird but the songs are are so strong and um it, it's another thing where it was like oh if, if he was a new artist kind of breaking in with that song trying to get on the you know the modern country charts it would fit right along next to that first the bad news SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. 
Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Right. The, the other thing that, you know, a lot of people don't, obviously just hearing Jesse's show, you're, you're not going to be able to dive deeper but like rick springfield is a shredder that dude can play his ass off it's crazy man we're just the, we're just fawning over rick springfield over here oh yeah for sure <laughs> uh the dude also i don't know if this picture i'm looking at uh, of him is current oh it's from 2014 the one i'm looking at so okay. so it's only five years ago the dude is 65 years old and looks yeah. like he's 30 <laughs> yeah he looks Some, great somehow uh so that's pretty cool too uh, so maybe maybe you could be 65 and 70 years old and still be making good music, you know? You know, it's why possible. Not? Why not? I don't know why people pretend that that's not possible or something. Like, or why? I mean, damn. I think it's hard because there's, I know there's, there's a certain, I feel like as you get older and the more art, whatever type of art you create, I feel pretentious saying art because I write pop songs, but um the more the more things that you create, the more you've already done, and the harder it is to do something new or do like a new version of what you've done before. Do you I think, think over time? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was gonna say like over time, artists maybe just run out of steam, and then they they hit a wall. You know, when they are sixty five, and they've you know anything they feel like was in their wheelhouse to accomplish, they've already done. Yeah, I guess that's that's actually an interesting conversation to have, which I have with my bandmates and friends a good bit. Is why and i mean you might disagree with me on this but it seems like even the bands that i love once they hit i'm sure there are exceptions but so many bands once they hit a level of success it's like the quality of the music and the albums isn't as good and i and i understand there's this whole level of um you attach nostalgia to the songs, right? What, like, I understand that. And I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm very open-minded to like, I don't care if someone now has millions of do- a million dollar budget to record and whatever, if, if it's still, the songs are still great. I, I could still like that more than I like the old songs. I'm, I'm going based purely on the music, but so many times I feel like these bands reach this level and it's just like, what I, I, I always, I always assumed it was because you reach this level, you have money now, and, <laughs> and, and you your life becomes a lot cushier. And, yeah, you're not hungry anymore. Right. And and it's just kind of like, I feel like so many people phone it in, you know? And I, I that's, that's something I've always 
told my told myself to make myself <laughs> feel better yeah our band not being bigger than it is it's like okay well you know that's just to keep us <laughs> making making good music or maybe, maybe yeah. you know maybe what or I, uh, sometimes i think like maybe i wouldn't even still be make maybe something would have happened like everybody would have lost interest or whatever so maybe the fact that never made a million dollars making music is because it's just going to keep me making music forever. And maybe that's a good thing because money is everything. These are the kind of conversations I have <laughs> with myself in my head, which anyone who has been playing music for all these years, which I, I'm sure that, you know, we, we can relate in that way is like that there's, you know, you, you sometimes tell yourselves if you're, if you're, if you're feeling down about where you're at, not that I take for granted the fact that there are a nice amount of people out there that listen to our music. I'm just yeah, saying, man. I'm just, just saying what, a, a million Spotify plays on a song. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff every once that's in a huge. while. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, you got to look at stuff like that and be like, Oh, that's awesome. You know? Cause you're always, you're always grass is always greener. You're always looking for more. Yeah. You want to be that one hit wonder <laughs> or that, <laughs> or that two hit wonder or whatever. But sometimes you got to look at shit like that and be like, man, that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that people, care to listen to the stuff that we make and uh yeah uh, that's that's pretty neat anyway got off on a little bit of a tangent i do <laughs> i do want to talk about the actual song jesse's girl because that's yeah let's talk about that's it. what this is supposed to be it's a it's a pretty funny song it's it's uh it is uh it's I, a um it's the type of song like which i've written this type of song before it's not a love song it's a crush song right yeah and 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 it's about his friend's girl, his, his friend's yeah. girlfriend. His so, friend whose name is actually, I think it's Gary. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at that right now. That is true. Gary's girl. It just didn't, just didn't go. It just didn't flow as well, I guess. No, no. Probably didn't, want, <laughs> probably didn't want to piss off Gary either. But yeah. uh, I'm, I'm yeah. looking at the lyrics now. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's watching him with those eyes. She's loving him with that body. I just know it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's a pretty relatable song to a lot of people who might want to <laughs> hook up with their with their <laughs> friends, girlfriends or whatever. Uh, but, you know, in general, it's pretty memorable. Uh, that's it, it's pretty genius. You, you try to think of those those what makes a hit song. What I'm, I'm always I'm sure you're thinking of this, too. It's like the one line like defines the song, you know, that that one thing that you could take away from the song. It doesn't matter what all the rest of the words are. It's I wish right. that I had Jesse's girl. That's, yeah. that's, uh, you know, iconic, man. It's just iconic. It's huge. It's huge. The only, I think I want to say the only lyric I, I think I don't like in this song is when he, uh, ends a line with the word moot. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's just, dude. It's kind of a really clunky lyric, but yes. maybe that's an Australian thing. I don't know. I agree. And I do think that's funny. And that is the first, this song is the first place I ever even heard that word. And, I mean, I've heard it. I've heard it since then, but yeah, sure. you know how that it does seem like a stretch when you're sitting down there, when you're sitting down to write lyrics and you have something and you just, you just need to rhyme that word. And you just, <laughs> yeah. It's just really a stretch, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's a stretch. But like you said, maybe that's something that people in Australia say a lot. Well, yeah. also that's, I think that's a funny part of it. That's like a part that I always like, if I'm listening to the song, that always clicks with me, whether I'm <laughs> listening to it like passively or, or paying more attention. It's, it, that right. always jumps out. <laughs> we always on this podcast, we decide if a song is 
a one-hit blunder or one-hit thunder as the name of the <laughs> but i don't think we even need to talk about that we know that this song no. is one-hit thunder we know that rick springfield sure. is pure thunder and not He's even necessarily one hit <laughs> he's had he had hits probably or, or not, not necessarily hits but you know notable songs and successful records over the course of probably a decade or so and then still makes music this is we're almost at what 40 years after Jesse yeah Stroll? 38 years after jesse Stroll, right which is wild <laughs> i mean he started playing music when he was 13 and uh, yeah. then he joined his first group, Rock House, in 1968. So, That's dude's a good been band. playing, yeah, <laughs> Rock House. Yeah, I like, I like it. Uh, Straightforward. 51 years. This dude's been making music for 51 years, still ripping it up. One thing that I think is interesting to talk about when when you talk about him is there's like learning some of this stuff, having read his book, um, which is called Late Late at Night, which is a, a Jesse Stroll reference. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's. Uh, Stop talking about how when he was young and this super attractive guy, he hated how he looked and got plastic surgery and how he tried to kill himself multiple times. Jeez. Um, yeah, it's like all and he's even said stuff recently. I think it was after um, after the news came out about Chester Bennington. He said something about like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, I totally get it. I've been there. I'm still there sometimes. So he's kind of like. He, he's known for his pop music, but he's this really kind of dark dude, too, which I think is interesting. Yeah. I mean, especially it's definitely I mean, which it oftentimes is. And there and it, it's a whole different subject. But people that make such, you know, his music is so, for the most part, positive sounding yeah. and, and yeah. like feel good music. And yet, you know, that that the complete opposite could be going on inside of him and i, I was lo- i was looking right here that it says in his early career people always mistaked him for bruce springsteen which is pretty funny dude uh, yeah. this might be a really insane thing to say but i uh i i guess i better i better watch what i say <laughs> but i choose your words carefully <laughs> i might like rick springfield's songs more than i like bruce Springsteen. i i don't know I would agree with you. I think okay. for, I, I love Bruce Springsteen. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think the stuff that kind of connects with the stuff that like checks the boxes for me more right. is, you know, I've like my two probably favorite musicians or bands are Weezer and Taylor Swift. Okay. So like, I feel like Rick Springfield is maybe the midpoint of those two. Right. <laughs> he's somewhere, he's somewhere in there. And um, that, that's just kind of like, I feel like his, songs and his style i mean i'd say as far as having you know records that you know start to finish are iconic and are um just these really really strong songs like obviously springsteen probably takes the cake with that one for 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 me personally but i think like if if i were to say like who do i like listening to more it's 100 rick springfield Right. And, uh, well, I guess it's also that their names, it's, I didn't think about the fact yeah. Rick Springfield and Bruce Springsteen. Uh, right. I, and I kind of feel like me saying that is kind of on the border of like somebody saying like, you know what? I like the turtles better than I like the Beatles or something like that. Like <laughs> sure. I, I know Bruce Springsteen's like one of the most <laughs> iconic artists ever. And Rick Springfield is kind of just has a cult following and, sure. and, and, whatever so but i mean it's all it's all opinion uh did you ever see rick springfield's movie hard to hold 
I I have to say I have never seen that, okay. and I I think that I've listened to that sound. The soundtrack is great. The songs are really good. There's a couple other bands with two songs on it, but um, nice. No, I don't think that's one I ever really need to to check off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rick Springfield played at Live Aid, which is pretty awesome. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's cool. Dude, could you imagine playing at Live Aid? I'm trying. To yeah, think. of I course. See, I want to see how many people were at Live Aid. It's some. It's some insane number of people. There's also as a um, while you're looking that up, as a a fan of professional wrestling on the the first ever I think it's just called the wrestling album, which was uh, the album that WWF put out at the time. Yep. The the manager Jimmy Hart has wrote and sings a song on it that's called "Eat Your Heart Out," Rick Springfield. Ring, ring. Hello, hello. Hey, it's Cindy in. <laughs> No, who is this? What do you mean, who is this? This is Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. Where is she? She's going to the Rick Springfield concert. Rick Springfield? Nice. Yeah, I, I saw that in my research. That's pretty wild. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The mouth of the South. The mouth of the Exactly. I didn't know the mouth of the South even had a song. <laughs> he actually wrote a lot of the um, por- a good portion of the theme songs for the wrestlers their entrance music at the time mouth of the south did yes whoa so so we know that this is uh one hit thunder for sure Um, oh yes and oh i wanted to look up live aid as well well live aid when you take into consideration all the the uh televisions that it was on right 1.9 billion people oh geez dude wow can you even imagine like you, you play that one show, your career should be set, right? 1.9 billion. In theory. Yeah. I mean, so that's the question. Who's the least successful art artist that ooh, performed at live Aid? Oh, we're, we're in uh, front of that many people who just dropped the ball. I got to see, because if you, yeah, if you blew, <laughs> if you blew it at live aid, I'm going to see who, here we go. Uh, this, this lineup's got to be insane. The boomtown rats. <laughs> I, I don't. Okay. Don't that name sounds familiar and that's about it. Oh, Spandau Ballet played, which is so awesome. They played true. Elvis Costello played. Okay, so here's <laughs> a, here's some people that I don't know that played. Ultravox? No, got nothing. Nick Kershaw? No. Nope. <laughs> Let me see. Most of these like you know, U2, Dire Straits, Queen, David Bowie, The Who, Elton John. Sure. Freddie Mercury, Paul McCartney, Band-Aid played Do They Know It's Christmas there? That's weird. <laughs> what time of year did this happen? Yeah, I don't know. I was in it July. Was in July. <laughs> that's Christmas so weird. In July, that's a thing that people say. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. Dude, it you know, punchline, we have like several Christmas songs. Sure. And we have this one song, Ice Cools, which people always ask us to play. But I would just feel dirty playing a Christmas song. I would be more likely to play it in June than I would like yeah. two weeks after Christmas. That just feels like weird. I don't know what's yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. weird. About it. It'd be like watching a Christmas episode of The Office on January 4th or something. Yeah, know, you have to wait till the next year. Yeah, I don't know why that bothers me. <laughs> That's such a weird thing to be bothered by, but I don't want yeah. to see anything Christmas after like in March or something. It just feels yeah. like, after July or so, I'm cool with it. Yeah, then you turn it back around. Then it's the Christmas season again. Right. You get the six-month buildup. Right, that's right. Before we wrap this up, what you got going on, man? What you got going on musically? Yeah, so um, a 
our band Cassettes put out a record earlier this year. It's called Wild Heart. Um, recorded it with Ace Enders from early November and Nick Rizzesi from Man Overboard. Um, yeah, that's out everywhere now. It's out on vinyl and um, CD. You can grab that on our website, cassettesforever.com. It's awesome, um, man, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're really happy with how it turned out. Um, yeah, we're really excited excited about the, the whole record. Remember when we uh, played together at... Um... What's up? I, for some reason, I couldn't remember the name of that place. Uh, Boot and Saddle. Boot and Saddle. I knew. Yeah, yeah. That's actually. Yeah, I was trying so hard to remember the name. I love Boot and Saddle, but I for some reason that great name, venue. Yeah, that name just blanked on me. Oh man, I love the sound there. Yeah, that's where we actually did our record release show earlier this year, which actually is just now up on. Uh, which is very interesting. So there's a site called Hate Five Six. Um, so Hate spelled out five the number and six spelled out. Um. There's this guy, Sonny, who's from Philly, and he they, he just, you know, does all these live show videos. It's mostly hardcore and metal stuff, um, but our drummer used to play in a bunch of hardcore bands, so he's friends with them, and he came and shot our record release show, and uh, it's up there among, you know, like, Terror and Every Time I Die, nice. and, you know, This Is Hardcore Fest videos, so that's up there now, too, um, which is pretty cool, but yeah, that, and that was at Boot and Saddle. It was super fun. Yeah, man. We we can wrap this up. I think it's been <clears throat> a very uh, a very good episode. And you know what I like to think about with these? Uh, the, the closing thought I like to think about is, hey, man, maybe Rick Springfield's going to listen to this. Because why wouldn't you? If there was a Chris Vefalius, if there was dudes talking about Chris Vefalius on a podcast and I just happened to be perusing, I would probably listen to it. So Rick Springfield, if you're out there listening, we're big fans. Um, yeah, I propose a, uh, a Rick Springfield punchline cassettes tour. That would actually make total sense. Absolutely. So yeah, let's, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. And Rick Springfield, if you want to, if you want to uh, do a guest vocal or collaborate on a song, uh, check out our bands. Uh, cassettes yeah, please. And, <laughs> cassettes and punchline. Check us out. We play music that is somewhat in the same world as your music, maybe a little more punk. But we like you a lot, and we think you're cool, and uh, we like you so much. We just made a podcast about you, and we apologize for the fact that it's a one-hit wonder podcast because we don't consider you a one-hit wonder, even though maybe some of the world does. You couldn't put it any better. Yeah, cool. (laughs) All right, Matt. Thanks for coming on, man. All right. Thank you, Chris. This is fun. Hell yeah. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is produced by Matt Kelly as part of the Geekscape Network and hosted by Chris Papalios of the band Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah. Special thanks to our guest Matt of the band Cassettes. The song I Want to Know off their newest album Wild Heart is playing underneath me right now. Punchline will be playing Anti-Fest on March 28th in Pittsburgh featuring Anti-Flag, Suicide Machines, and many other great bands. Visit punchlion.com for tickets as well as news, merch, and other upcoming tour dates. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com or contacting us on the social media that's linked in our show notes. And make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting apps. We'll be back next week with another episode of One Hit Thunder. And I just can't seem to see the bones for the trees this week. So I'm taking an axe to the woods. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hey, this is Scott from Fly in the Call. 
Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or a band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.